0: Welcome to the Food is Life podcast with me Jambo and me Steph. Now today we've got a very special guest on so I'm going to hand the reins over to Steph and she can take it from here.
1: Love it. Tanya hasn't actually said a word yet and we've been in this podcast for about 30 seconds. So Tanya welcome to the Food is Life podcast. Thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you you
1: guys. You are very welcome. So Tanya is a very special person that we wanted to talk to today. All things binge eating, all things emotional eating. We've got lots of questions, but before we get into any of that, Tanya, if you could just introduce yourself, tell us who you are, why the hell the listeners should listen to you, and anything, anything relevant,
2: you fire away. Oh, that's a bit of a tough one to follow. (laughs) Uh, So my name is Tanya Danielle. I'm an emotional eating therapist. So I help people who emotionally eat, people who binge eat, People who you know don't like their body, I help people not only with their food, but with their body as well. So what I mean by that is how they feel about their body, so it's like body acceptance. Um, yeah, and we really work on food and body freedom. Love it. So Amazing.
1: yeah, lots of my clients, lots of my lean beans talk about emotional eating. As I said to Tanya, when I asked her to come on the podcast, I said, I think it's a buzzword emotional eating and attaching emotions to food binge eating even some of my clients use those words and Jamba and I are definitely not qualified enough to talk about this kind of stuff hence why we wanted to get you on Tanya so again thank you for your time um, let's get straight into some questions shall we mm. okay let's do it so first question dive in at the deep end how do we define binge eating how do we define you know can we measure it by a number or is that a bit hard or where are we at with that?
2: So binge eating, I would describe it as eating large quantities of food with intensity. So it's eating like large quantities of food in a short period of time. That could be like one hour, two hours. And oh my goodness me, my dog is going to start.
1: <laughs> this is a
2: real podcast.
1: <laughs> Love she's it. such
2: a cry baby as well. So please, if you hear her, she's like, "There's nothing wrong with her. She's just crying." Um, <laughs> but no, it's eating large quantities of food in a short period of time in one go, and it, you can almost like um you can almost you turn out. You can almost turn out when you're eating. It's like you, I don't. I don't want to say you're blackout, because you don't blackout, but people can almost go into kind of trans when they're eating because they're eating that fast yeah. and that quick in a short period of time. And it's a lot of food. Can I
0: ask a question early um, on? Okay. Is um, binge eating at any point, could it be considered, I don't want to say positive, that's not the right word, but um, it's, cons- it's sort of seen as completely negative, obviously, binge eating. Is it, is it, or is it a, a negative term? Is, can it ever be anything but negative?
2: So again, the term binge eating can be used in different, so people can use it in different, in different ways. Um, obviously, there is, you know, there is a spectrum, you know, of how often people can binge eat and how often and the frequency of it. But as regards to the positive term, I would honestly say that when people binge eat, it's normally when they're, I think the positive angle on that is, their mind and body is telling them something that they're doing is not working. So it's like, if you are binge eating, something that you are doing or some behavior or something that you are doing in your life isn't working and that you need to really readdress it. So I kind of see it like the binge eating or um, that's the positive spin and I would put on it. Basically like a bit of a warning sign to say, stop, something you're doing is not working, we need to readdress it.
1: Question. So going back to my first question about measuring it, is it, are we, can we define binge eating? I have no idea what's right or wrong here, but is it kind of an autopilot? Like, is, are we defining binge eating as someone that can't put a stop on, you know, the amount that they're eating? Because I personally think, and this is my opinion, is that to an extent, I think we all, bingy as in terms of we have times mm-hmm. when we in a short period eat more calories and have more food like even myself sometimes I'm like oh, I'll have to just have one chocolate no i have a few more and it adds up you know yeah but I I personally have self-control and I can stop that after a few whereas is binge is that binge eating or
2: again so it's different for different I think it's different for the individuals what one person classes as binge eating like you said everybody probably has a binge it at some point in their life but it depends on the I suppose the quantity and the and how often we do it so how frequently we do it and the, the how so how frequently and the quantity of food that we do it as well so I think when it becomes a problem so when we binge eat, it becomes more of a problem when we're doing it obviously on a regular basis and also not only that when we the feelings that we feel after we binge it so generally what normally happens when people are binge eating they're eating such a large quantity of food in a short period of time they're eating it very intently very very intensely and then what happens is they tend to feel enormous amounts of guilt and shame afterwards they normally feel huge regret they normally really beat themselves off they really start berating themselves and really like beating themselves for doing that. So like you said, there will be times where, you know, people do binge eat. There will be occasional times when binge eat, and it might not be a problem to them. They might not feel remorse afterwards. It's when those deep feelings of guilt and shame happen afterwards. So we really berate ourselves for doing that. So it's the feelings that we get after we eat as well, not as well as as during, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's the, feelings, it's the feelings of regret and, you know, when we self-love and all these deep feelings that can really make us, you know, feel bad about ourselves. That's when you get into this repetitive cycle.
1: So is there – well, I guess first, actually, is there, like, warning signs that binge eating – like, you are a binge eater? Or do you think it's just a thing that – I don't know. It just – like, how often, I guess – do you have to do that for it to be a for you to be a binge eater is that
2: so again it's like honestly I think it depends on what you classify as a binge eater but there is a kind of like a chart that says right okay there's different levels of it so again if you're doing it like weekly or you're doing it daily or you're doing it monthly if you binge it like once every I don't know six months to a year and it's not causing a problem to you at all you do not have any negative effects from that you don't have any like anxiety any like i said self-loathing you do not have any negative effects from it and it's not causing you any harm then you know that's your personal choice and i wouldn't really you know yeah it's your then it's up to you to think my okay this is not damaging me in any way shape or form but it's when it becomes regular frequent daily weekly Mm. And it's
0: a had an emotional, physical impact on you. With binge eating, and this is just like a, an idea that's coming out of my mind as I speak, is do you think ever the common person potentially? I think there's sides of the spectrum. You obviously have extreme side of bin, binge eating, and then I, I think more normalised side of binge eating. Do you think that potentially there's almost like a I don't know like a social imposter sort of to binge eating so where we hear the term so much that all of a sudden people think that they're potentially binge eating and create that binge eating guilt when it's probably not actually there potentially it might just be like a you know occasional yeah overeating enjoyment natural life happens do you think almost something like an imposter of binge eating comes into normal day life for a lot of people
2: do you think that the, the term can be used quite loosely and I think that again the, the the severity like you said it's all on the same spectrum it just depends on where they are on on the on the scale um it, it could be used quite loosely and only the person will know how much they've eaten so really for me to to say that I wouldn't really know until I spoke to the person because you don't really what one person, again, mm-hmm. classifies as binge eating and another person classifies as binge eating, it's it, it could mean two completely different things. Whereas when I'm referring to the word binge eating, I'm talking about like, like eating a lot in mm-hmm. about two, maybe one, two hours, like eating a lot of food, like a, as if you've never seen food before in your life. And like I said, almost going into a bit of a trance and feeling like you have no control over it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Even you don't even realise how much food you've eaten until after you've eaten it. And then you're like, oh my goodness me, where did all these wrappers come? Where did all these biscuits go? Where did all this food go? And even still, you could possibly eat more, even though you are so stuffed, it's it's unbelievable. Mm. And even then, like I said, it's not even just the eating, it's the feeling afterwards as well. So the feeling before and the feeling after. It's the state of what we are in when we are eating. So...
1: The root cause, this is probably a very broad question, but the root cause of binge eating, are we suggesting that it's more emotional than physical? So
2: from my experience, like binge eating can be caused from like dieting, from restricting, from being very, very obsessed with their body and wanting to lose weight. Mm. It can be Mm. from anxiety. It can be, you know, huge amounts of anxiety and the body's trying to bring the... The, um, the amount of fight and flight because quite often when we go into that high fight and flight state the body wants to bring us out of that state and obviously to do that you know sometimes we can turn to food to make us feel better momentarily so it can be that it can be it can be lots of different things um so and what did you, did you say something about emotions as well so it's basically how we manage our emotions but what I, from my own experience, I've really, really seen is kind of a combination of, of all those things that I've just mentioned. It's a combination of a lot. And it's it can be also about well, how we feel about ourselves, so how we feel about ourselves, how we feel about our bodies. And yeah, and also dieting restrictions, massive. Mm. Jamba, massive. like you had a
0: question. Do you have a question? Uh, I was just going to say, I guess it's going on to more body positivity sort of thing rather than talking about um food per se but yeah it was interesting interesting you say do you think that a lot of the um emotional sort of triggers are due to body positivity or how they view own bodies rather than say uh trauma for example
2: so again it can be birth it can be birth, so it can be trauma, it can be body positive, it could be how they feel about the body, it could be a combination of birth, mm-hmm. so again, it, it can be trauma, it can be some, you know, trauma that's stuck in the body, and it's finding food as a way to cope, Um, it could also be a mix between, you know, um, trauma, it could also be how they feel about the body, it could be dieting, it can be a mix of all of them. Oh, so, so much to... It can be a mix of all of them, so it's like, we want to kind of like say right okay this is not we want to say but quite often we can kind of put one thing and say right okay this one thing creates this which yes it can and it can be that one thing but also number of things can also contribute to it so it's not just a straight answer so it can be trauma it can be the body you know the body saying right okay I'm using food to cope with whatever trauma's happening inside of me it could be our own beliefs about ourselves and our body it could be the restriction the ca- um the restrictive dieting it could be the calorie counting. it could be it could be so many things it could be stress it could be anxiety um and like i say, quite often there's there's more there's all of them together yes so
1: as we've discussed calorie counting we've discuss energy restriction definitely we need to bring that up because that's one of the reasons Tanya I wanted to get you on this podcast because Jambo and I talk a lot about calorie counting we talk a lot about restricting calories and energy and stuff because fundamentally right that's how you lose body weight and that's what this podcast is about so I know you have a background in calorie counting in fitness in particular so yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so I kind of wanted to, well, first and foremost, if you can tell us like a little about your history with calorie counting and maybe why that's brought you to where you are now and your views and well, I guess opinions and experiences now with calorie counting, with working with clients and stuff.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I never had a very healthy relationship with food. I started calorie counting with my mum at a very young age. It was when all the diet, you know, like it's a long time ago, but all the diet rages was out and. My mum used to stand there, calorie counting, and I think from that young age, I realised that I wasn't good enough. My body wasn't good enough as it was, and I think it was very uh, a real emphasis on how I looked. So I started off always being on diets, and then I kind of went off the rails for a little bit, and um, and then I after after I kind of sorted myself sorted myself out. (laughs) I got into fitness and because I was doing everything very all or nothing, I was very either full in, full speed ahead, everything I did, I was doing everything all or nothing. Um, I did fitness all or nothing, and you know, I wanted to end up competing. So I ended up competing in um bikini, um in bodybuilding, and I did a strict, strict diet with obviously a lot of prepping a lot of macro counting, a lot of calorie counting, Um, and I did this four times, so I, like, competed four times. Um, And, you know, the first time I competed, honestly, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I got into the the British finals, and then I had to go from the qualifier to the British finals, and I had to keep up my, my prep diet. Oh, my God, it was just... I just couldn't believe it, but... So yeah, I just want.
1: To, no, I just yeah. want to say for the listeners that yeah. don't know what bikini and all that is, it's like when you get on stage and you're like, yeah. you know, those really lean, muscly people that you see. Yep, that was Tanya. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I was in the bikini category, so it won't. I wasn't necessarily big. I was like more the smaller. Um, it's more like the turn section. So I was like the smaller turn mm-hmm. section. And then I'll always remember my coach saying to me, right, go and eat what you want, You can go eat what you want. And I was just like, oh my God. And I was just literally like a caged animal. I was like, oh my God, I can eat what I want. And from the qualifier to the final I just didn't get back on track. You know, I just completely lost everything. Um, and I just never, I will never ever forget how it made me feel. And then after that, I just couldn't get my thought process together you know I was constantly thinking about food I was anywhere I had been for quite a few years before but this really was kind of like the cherry on on the top and yeah and it really knocked me sideways with food and then after that I um it took me about a year to get help because I was doing so many crazy things in between I was like eating in it's on the thing of this but I was even eating in a disabled toilet at work when I used to work in a um, an office, because I was trying to hide, like secretly eat, um, and I didn't want anyone to see me in the office because they'd always comment on my food, and because they always saw me as being like the healthy one and the lean one, and and uh, yeah, I was binging in, like I said, in the toilet. I was binging in the in the car, secretly eating in the car. I was eating anywhere I could where nobody would see me, um, and. At that point, I just I just thought, oh my God. And then I always remember going into a supermarket and I, I, it used to take me hours to go shopping, hours, because I'd check every label in sight, the mm-hmm. calories, the macros, everything. Um, and it used to take me hours to go shopping. And then I remember finding uh, an error on one of the nutritional labels. And I took it to the customer service desk. Oh my God. I know I'll always remember this. I took it to the customer service desk as if to say like, you know, this is wrong. And she looked at me as if I was absolutely bonkers. Uh, She looked at me as if to say like, what the hell do you want me to do about it? I work, I don't know, it was Morrison's I think. I work in Morrison's, I I don't work for Kellogg's (laughs) or whoever it was. And I think it was her face that kind of like put, it was kind of like a massive reality check for me. It was like, oh my God, what am I doing, my behavior? How I am behaving around food isn't what you quote, quote, norm- um, quote normal, quote, unquote, normal. And I just thought, wow, I need to do something about this. And that's when I um, seeked help. And I, yeah, and I was with, I was in an eating disorder clinic for about eight months to be fair. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, after that, I swore I would never, uh, w- never diet again. And then I competed again wow (laughs) and then I competed again yeah um but it was after that that I was like never again never because I could feel after I'd competed again I could feel um my mind going off again and I just thought no I'm not doing this I'm not doing it and this is when I really started to like tune back into my body and really start listening to my own body's intuition with food because yeah Sorry. i say,
0: I just think that's so important for people to hear because we always talk about um how weight loss is healthy and obviously there's optimal weights where it is healthy but when you're to a point where you see people that are not i don't want to use obsessive in a negative way but how unhealthy it can be for the mind as well so yeah. like we always talk about um uh, my sister makes me very aware on my podcast how i should be um see both sides of the perspective and, and not fat shame or etc etc but I think it's important to point out how unhealthy it can be the other side of the spectrum as well where yes, you are massively. so in so intent on everything and like I said it it wasn't just physical health that it was affecting you there it mm. was mental health as well
2: and this is the thing that we miss and this is the thing what I really promote is that like when we talk about health you know it has to be mind body it has to be physical mental and emotional health you know, when we start obsessing and when we cannot think about anything else but food, this isn't this isn't um, a good state to be in mentally. When we are dreaming about that pizza weekend, or we're dreaming about our cheat day, or we're dreaming about you know that meal that we, we've we've not allowed ourselves to have all week, and we're dreaming about it the weekend. That's not a good state to be in. You know, we we get distracted easily because our thoughts are so on food. Mm
1: this is also a really good point because my business name is food is life. Right. And I know Mm. for a minority of people, that is a trigger, triggering word, right. Or triggering phrase. But it's interesting you say it because like, I would consider myself and I know a lot of my friends and even my clients are people that think about food quite a lot. Like I have my lunch. I already know. I really want to know what I'm having for my snack and my dinner. Like I would say I'm someone that thinks about food a lot, but my thinking about food is what i deem as not obsessive like you're talking about in a different way and it's
2: yeah yeah i do get what you're saying but i think i've also been where you are as well so it's like i've been at that place where i would think about my my next meal i would think about right okay i might even have a little bit of my i don't know my my snack or what i've been in that place but then i think when we do something to the very extreme and when we do like really restrictive dieting, when we do like, when we are obsessed about our food, it can very quickly, especially if we do have like traumas that we haven't dealt with, if we've got a lot of anxiety inside of our bodies, you know, if we're feeling anxious, you know, if we hate how we, if we hate our body when we look at it in the mirror, it can trigger off quite a lot of deep emotions that then can really spiral quite quickly into something that we yeah that gets out of control
1: yeah it's interesting like with your background like you said like I would consider myself quite an all not an all or nothing person but like one of the first things you said about your story is that you're quite all or nothing and that might spiral into lots of parts of your life right that's just your personality Mm. trait but I guess where do you sit on tracking calories with like just the quote-unquote average person that you know wants to lose a bit of body fat they don't necessarily have any bad really well they don't have any relationship with food that is the all or nothing approach it's more just right I need to lose some weight this is how I've been told to do it what's your where
2: do you sit on that so firstly I'm not all or nothing now at all I'm very very balanced Mm. in all nearly all areas of my life I'm very balanced I um, do not have that all or nothing approach at all. Um, and again, this has taken like quite a few years and obviously adjustment and obviously working on myself. Um, now, so what I would say to somebody who wants to lose weight, depending on how they respond to food, you see, we've got to really look at individuals separately. You know, if people are responding to food in a negative way, so if somebody goes on a calorie deficit and they are responding to food in a negative way, and they end up either binge eating or they end, they cannot, they they end up tend to food or they're having midnight snacks or the secret eating. You know, this is this is for that for that individual. I would personally say for that individual, do not track, do not do anything like that whatsoever. I totally but yeah. if you've got somebody else who is tracking and they're, they're not finding it a problem, they they can stick to whatever they're sticking to, they're not craving things, they are not finding it a problem for them, then, you know, that's up to them. I, I really think it, it it boils down to the individual needs and how their physical and emotional health is. Now, for me, when somebody thinks about food quite a lot, that says to me that, when we, when we think about food quite a lot, that's saying that we are, we're, we're, when we think about food, right, if you think about it this way, if we're reading about food, we're tracking food, we're measuring food, we're weighing our body, we're weighing ourselves, and it's all about food, what do you think we're going to think about? Food. 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 If we're, if we're reading, yeah, if we're reading like podcasts to do with food, if we're reading like looking at websites to do with food, if we're looking at all the macros and calories and all things like that to do with food we are going to think about food a lot Mm. because that's what's at the forefront of our mind that's what we're that's the information that we're taking in so when people say to me i can't stop thinking about food the first thing they need to do is stop doing what they're doing stop the counting the macros the calories because that only that only enhances them thoughts and feelings
1: that makes complete sense to me and What I also take from that and correct me if I'm wrong, but someone that is tracking calories to lose weight, for example, like you say, if they're thinking about food in lots of other ways, like they are listening to lots of podcasts, they're reading books, they're spending hours in the supermarket, then is it possible to take that part away and keep the tracking because, you know, they have that goal? If it's not something that they need to, they're just doing it because they think, oh, right, this is what I should be doing, like trying to learn as much as I can is that a balance
2: or see, at the way I work and, and this is how I mean this is how it does work so if somebody is binge eating right we cannot we cannot cure the binge eating when the diet and the restriction is part of the problem you want to see that it's it's a whole cycle so if you think about binge eating so what generally happens is somebody is dieting the restricting right they feel really crap they're craving a certain food, so they'll binge eat, right? They end up binge eating. Then they, they feel even worse after they've been binge eating, and then they feel guilt, they feel shame, they feel regret. So, what they do is they go on they restrict again. Yeah, then what happens then when they restrict? They restrict too long, or they're restricting the body food, vital food it needs. So, what does it do? <laughs> it binges. So, the binging <laughs> then again creates the guilt and the shame afterwards. So what do they do? Go on a diet. And it ends up being in this constant cycle. So we can't really address one part without addressing the other. If you want to address the binge eating, mm. then you need to look at the diet and the restrictions as well. Mm. Because that is part of the binge-starve cycle.
1: Yeah, no, totally agree with that. Well, my, I didn't actually mean I was not taking... I was... This person taking oh, calories wasn't binge eating. They were just... Oh, wait, okay. Yeah, but what you say, yeah, yeah makes complete sense. Okay, so... Moving on a little bit, if you do get diagnosed as binge eating and someone listen to this is like, oh, yeah, that, that sounds like what I do, actually. What? How would you go about, first and foremost, working with someone? What's the steps you take? Or what can someone do that's listening to this podcast if, before they want to reach out to you or, or whatever? What, what can we do?
2: I mean, honestly, you see, for me, I don't really like... I don't really like labelling things at all because I think that, like... It can, it can just put a label on something and, some, and somebody, it doesn't necessarily help. But if somebody's going to get the diagnosis, then obviously if they're going to get the diagnosis, then I would probably say to them, you know, stick with the person where you got the diagnosis from because they could probably guide you in the direction that maybe they want to go. Um, but if somebody, I honestly do believe there's quite a lot of people, if we're going to talk about binge eating disorder... I do believe there's so many people out there that have probably got unhealthy relationships with food anywhere. You know we could put so many so many labels on things and so many so many, so many pe- so many people' relationship with food it isn't true. you know, but I just think this day and age we are we are obsessed with all these different types of way of eating. We're obsessed with trying to things. So we're, we're obsessed with diets, we're obsessed with not being good enough just as we are. I mean, and like I so said, I've been that place. I've been that place. I've been that place where, you know, I wanted to be the leanest that I could possibly be. You know, I wanted to be the most turned that I could possibly be. I wanted to have the best bum and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I've been that place. And I think that's, we forget that happiness and how we feel about ourselves starts within. And it, it's you, which we need to start working on ourselves. The more we start working on ourselves internally, externally, we will feel better and we will actually look better. Our body will balance to where it needs to be. Oh, yes.
1: Amen to that. Okay. Uh, no, no, totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah, (laughs) we last question I've got on binge eating is, is it possible to fully overcome binge eating if that's something that you habitually do?
2: Yeah, definitely. I don't binge eat at all. I don't binge eat whatsoever at all, but again, it's like, I mean, I was when I was, um, it was probably about ten years ago. So, what I would say, in my own experience, and again, everybody's experience is different. You know, it takes time. It takes takes consistency. It takes repetition. It's changing your behaviour. It's it's changing. You know, like looking at other areas of your life. Maybe dealing with some trauma. Maybe dealing with your anxiety. There's a lot of people who, who I deal with are really highly stressed. They've got, you know, high levels of anxiety. And, you know, there's a lot of different factors. So it's, it's working through probably things that might find uncomfortable. But, and really trying to leave the diet as well, because they do not help at all. If we, if, you know, people really start to like accept who they are, their body acceptance and um, really work on that that would help as well mm. and it Love is a process I do, uh, what i say to people and i say to my clients quite a lot this isn't a journey it's not like a three month you know fitness plan where we do something for, for three months for christmas this is something that you do you know the rest of your life you know i'm still working i still still do a lot of the tools and the techniques that i give some of my clients i still do these things today to keep myself in physical mental and emotional health you know I'm really always working on my um, my emotional and mental health um and that's not because I feel I would slip back it's because I really feel that health is like it's a whole package it's not just physical
1: yeah. absolutely 100% echo and agree with everything you say Jambo, you move closer to the camera is that another question you have <laughs>
0: No, I was just getting comfortable.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so just drawing back quickly, because I don't want to take up too much of your time, and we are running out of time on the Zoom, but if someone, because I think it's, again, quite a common thing in terms of the binge restrict cycle, someone that binges slash overeats for a period of time, and then the next day they either go on a massive restriction or they aggressively exercise do you have any, what's your advice to them, those people that do that on a regular basis?
2: Please don't restrict. Mm. The best way to get out of that cycle is do not restrict. Do not restrict, recognize, but it's, it's sometimes not as easy as, you know, It's it, when you're in that cycle, it, it's very, very difficult. It's difficult to get out of it because you're you so thick in it. You cannot see the woods through the trees. You can only, you're only doing the best at what you think is right for your body. And people do restrict, that's what they think, that's the only way they they know of to get out of it. Because they think if they don't restrict, they're gonna eat everything. Now, we've got to remember, when when we, do, when we don't restrict, it's the state that we are in when we are eating. So like I say, quite often people are really highly stressed. You know, they're in a really negative emotional place, And they're eating with that negativity. They're eating with that emotional charge. Mm. I mean, the first thing as well, do not restrict and also learn to manage your emotions.
1: Yeah. So I would tell people instead of restricting, if you've had a higher calorie day, for example, just go back to what you would normally
2: do rather than restrict. Just go back to normal. And I hate the word normal, but in this context, go back to normal eating because Generally, when people binge, they're craving the foods that they, they are telling them themselves that they cannot have. They are eating the foods that they are so desperately trying to avoid. So what happens is people will binge on ice cream or, or cakes or biscuits and they're trying so desperate to be quote-unquote healthy. But what, what's happening, the mentality that they're approaching food, that is the problem. So even if they're not restricting but they're calling food good and bad, it's the mentality of how we see the food because again, what can happen is, the more we call the food good, we are actually calling ourselves good. So when we eat quote-unquote good food, we are, we are putting ourselves on a pedestal, yeah? And then when we eat bad food, quote-unquote bad food, we are berating ourselves and calling ourselves the devil, right? And it's like, it's that that is the problem where, when we put an emotional charge on a food, we have that emotional reaction and when we feel negative about ourselves what do we do we eat we, we turn to something that makes us feel bad yeah and it's normally food
1: and why is it food that we turn to it's about the million, <laughs> well, million dollar it can question it
2: could be anything it could be sex it could be drugs it could be alcohol it could be spending i mean i've done pretty much everything so i pretty much did all of all of it and above um, and then it ended up being food so my last thing that I turned to was food Interesting. so it's like a curbing strategy and it's a, you've got to remember it's only like it's the body saying like okay I'm trying to cope with whatever you're not you're not either you know allowing to come to the surface yeah deep so good though so true yeah it, it can be very it can be very deep I mean for me it was a lot of suppressed emotions you know um mm-hmm. So, but like I say, it can be food. It could be more than food. It could be spending. It could be shopping. It could be mm. anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's something that yeah. makes us feel good momentarily. Yeah. makes us feel yeah. good afterwards. Excuse me for swearing, sorry. That's
1: right. Next question is, you've talked a lot about feeling guilt, feeling shame, feeling embarrassed around food and consuming food. How do you deal with this with... The people that you work with is it is there a specific way that you'd go about this or again does it
2: come down to the individual I mean when you work obviously when you work with people it can be quite difficult especially because people can comment on your food quite a lot people can comment on your food again you know unfortunately it's one of them things that you can't control especially people if people do comment on your food it's like it's, it's a tough one. I mean, you can go out and eat you know, somewhere, somewhere away from people, but it just depends on how it makes you feel. I personally would just see how somebody... If somebody feels uncomfortable eating in front of people and people do make comments, then just take yourself away because you've got to protect yourself and your own energy, mm-hmm. basically. You've got to protect yourself, how you feel, and if other people are making you feel worse, then that's only going to make you turn to feel even more.
1: It's such an interesting topic because like we all have to eat food to survive. So it then in turn, everyone thinks they should have an opinion about your food, other people's food, what they're doing, why they're doing it, why you're dieting, why you're not dieting. I think it's such a common, I don't know, misconception. I'm not sure what the word is that we have in society of that we, we can judge other people's food. And you know, it's at the end of the day, to me, it's like, well, let people do what they want to do, like live your own life
2: fulfill your own dreams it just doesn't work like that does it no it's like I mean when when I was working um in the corporation that I was working and I absolutely loved the people I you know couldn't work with a better group of people than I did I felt like there was all family but because I was into fitness and especially because I was like competing and stuff like that and I was really into fitness everybody would comment on my food and if I if I had one thing that wasn't quote-unquote healthy
0: oh 100% Everyone.
2: and it's like oh my god give me a break yeah we're all just for the
1: listeners we're all just sat here face palming being like so it's so true like you know what
2: I mean? it's like give me a break and then but then if I was eating constantly if I was eating unhealthy then you know then it'd be like well why why are you eating this and it was like you couldn't do right for doing wrong <laughs>
1: Is honestly, people still say to me now that don't really know me, but they know I'm a nutritionist. They'll be like, "Oh, you're eating a, you're eating bread, you're eating a sandwich."
2: I'm like, oh, "Yes." One
0: of my one of my pet peeves it is, I tell you.
2: Oh, yeah. It's what, sorry. What did you say, James?
0: One of my pet peeves when people yeah. say, "Oh, yeah, but you go to the gym all the time. Uh, we can't have a donut." And it's
2: like, really? And it, honestly, I think for me everyone's different but I would never ever comment on what someone's eating ever ever because I've had it done that to me I wouldn't anyway but because I think it's a real and it's nobody else's business what people are eating but I think it's a real personal thing and you do not know what's going on in in someone's life Mm. you do not know how they feel about themselves or food you don't know what's happening and it's like those comments even if they're innocent can actually have quite a lot of damage they can actually cause quite a lot of harm 100 percent
1: Okay, so I think we've covered a lot today in terms of emotional, physical, why people binge, you know, my concluding question is, for someone that is feeling all the feels from this podcast, what would you say to them if they're someone that they think they might be struggling, they're not sure, like, they haven't really thought about it, but this podcast has made them think, oh, actually, yeah, that might be me, what would you say to them, what's your your advice?
2: So I would first say um, it depending on how they if they feel if they are feeling quite then I'd say reach out to somebody. Um, I would also say you know adjust what they're doing like stop dieting, stop restricting. Really listen to the body because when when we're dieting and when we are restricting and when we binge, it's like I said earlier, it's our body saying something isn't working. So whether it's like stress, anxiety, dieting, restriction, something isn't working and the first thing I would say is stop dieting, stop restricting and um, try and, you know, be kind to your body, be kind to yourself, be kind to your body and um, see your body in a different way. And also really try and lower your stress levels as well.
1: Okay. So if someone, wanted to, yeah, if someone wanted to reach out to like a binge eating therapist or someone like yourself if they feel like they've connected with you are you happy just to have a chat with them over dm like
2: i'm sure yes. there's a lot
1: of people that won't want to get on the phone and have a chat about it they just want to kind of speak to someone that knows what they're talking absolutely. about
2: absolutely yeah no anybody can dm me i'm not like yeah anybody can have a chat you know I like you know getting to know people and seeing where they're at And, you know, it's a really, really, really brave thing to do, you know, like to reach out to somebody. And like you said, some people might not want to get on a call straight away. They might not want to be committed to doing anything about it right now. It might not be right for them right now. Um, But you've got to take things in baby steps. You know, like I think awareness is the first key, you know, being aware of your behavior, being aware of how you are responding to food, being aware of like your thought process around food. And maybe if you've got an obsessive, you know, if you feel it's quite obsessive. Um, and even if we try and hide that obsession, we generally do nerd deep down. Even if we, we're trying to tell ourselves that it's healthy, it's normal. Um, deep down, we kind of nerd that we take up quite a lot of space thinking about food and how we respond to food as well.
1: Hmm. Jamba? Yes? True wrap up now? Jamba <laughs>
0: just <sat> listening. <laughs> yeah, I just... This is Cam what happens when cat. we have a guest on. I just listen to it like it's a podcast and i the best time ever. it. <laughs> okay. has got his
2: cat. Uh, oh, let's
0: it's do- beautiful. Let's do a wrap-up then, guys. So I guess um, takeaways from this podcast, I guess, for me anyway, certainly something that I felt before this podcast, and I think this has probably cemented it, is that a lot of... Bad relationships with food obviously come from psychology, uh, psychology side of it. Um, and obviously it's well out of someone like mine and Steph's remit. So obviously do 100% go seek some a specialist, a therapist um, and reach out. And I think me and Steph said this on many podcasts before. If you think you've got a PT that can help you with things or a nutrition coach, get them to stay in their lane and go find a specialist so yeah
1: yeah no I think there's a lot of take-home points here but I think like Tanya said like analyze yourself self-evaluate see where you're at there's going to be a lot of people that are actually like well yeah I think about food but it's I'm not on that scale but there's going to be other people that actually this hits home to so yeah self-evaluate reach out to us
2: yeah and be honest be honest with yourself I think this is the thing I think quite often we can be in denial and it's like a defense mechanism we can be in denial we don't want to admit that like you know we've got an unhealthy relationship with dieting unhealthy relationship with food and our body we don't want to admit it because it's like yeah it, it, it's our life as well quite often it's our life we don't know any other way
1: yes 100% I know it's really really powerful stuff so Tanya I do thank you for your time Jumbo's actually Thank you for just Jumbo's actually just gone because he's uh, off the Zoom because he's going to get a food delivery. So
2: <laughs> there's Important real food delivery. I <laughs> <laughs> keep it
1: real. I know. That's the irony of that. Hey, that's yeah. funny. Yeah. All the um, things. Exactly. Let's get a pizza. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, he'd why like, not? Be, why not? Why not? Exactly. 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 Should we, we ourselves to... the grabbing, enjoying the food that we like?
1: exactly right' it's, it's all a balance and it's all figuring out what works for you what doesn't where you're at yeah. everyone's at different stages of their journey so you know it's, yeah, everyone's um, different
2: and people respond differently to different things so.
1: exactly exactly but Tanya I do thank you very 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 much for your time your expertise it's been a very interesting hour to chat to you um, and I'm sure if any of the listeners have any questions they will hopefully reach out ask you some questions anyone that would like to get into contact with tanya all of her links for her social media for her website are all in the show notes below so make sure you go down and click over there
2: yeah You're thank very you for having me for i really appreciate it and yeah tell thank
1: you to james as well Jumping yes, by james. Yes, jump by james i will do all right thank, thank you, you very much thank you, you. Soon. Bye, bye bye